0: And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. And it came to pass after these things that the Lord did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham! And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now, thy lonely, sorry, I, I say, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon, the, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abram rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took his two young men with him, and Isaac took his son and cleared the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went, in, and went on to the place which the Lord had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abram said unto his young men, Bight ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go younger and worship and come again to you. Abram took the wood of the burnt offering laid upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac speak unto Abram his father and said, my father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abram said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for burnt offering. So they went both of them together. He came to the place which God told him of. And Abram built an the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and led him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here, here, here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for I know that thou fearest God. Saying that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket of his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jarah. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Again, ending the reading there again the in verse 14, and again praying God's blessing as we publicly read his word. Now, let's take a moment again and just what's our hearts. And seek God's presence and seek God's blessing. Father, oh, we thank you for the words that have been sung tonight and sung by our congregation and Lord by, by Hannah as well. Lord, just thank you for those words. Just pray right even now you take those words and apply it to the hearts of everyone here as you see fit and those that maybe are listening online or maybe listening again some other time. And Lord, as you open your word. May it have a free course tonight. May it have no hindrance. May you be glorified to we pray. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Hannah spoke, sp- sorry, you're a Hannah, I'm sorry, I'm you're going to be in my way. But Hannah talked about exams. And we often ask the question when we come to the exams, or we open- when we open that exam paper, and you look at the questions and you think, oh, there's nothing here I can do. Have you ever had that examination, have you? I hope that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> yeah, I had it once. I opened the exam paper and thought, this is not what I revised. And you need to say, I need to wondering, you, 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 you need to think, what am I going to do here? You know, but not that we're going to do it in order, not like we're going to ask people, what am I going to do here, but we'll ask the question, what is God doing? And that applies often when we get the results of the exam, not just when we get the exam in front of us, but when we get the, get the results of the exams and with all our future planned out. But everything that we wanted to do, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew the path we wanted to go down, and suddenly the results of those exams don't tell us, or don't aren't, aren't leading us the way in which we thought. So we ask the question tonight: What is God doing? I wonder—is it a question that you have ever asked, or maybe you're asking him at the moment: What is God doing? Wonder tonight, if you're a Christian living in the land of Ukraine, we talked about Ukraine this morning. I wonder if you're a Christian living in the land of Ukraine tonight, would you be asking that question, what is God doing? What is God doing when we see destruction of the city after city, of building after building, of life after life, when many are left literally carrying what what they have in their hands? Or maybe even tonight as a believer here tonight in Green's, or if you're listening online, you're asking yourself a similar question, what is God doing? With every events that's going on in your life, you're asking that question, or whatever trial you're facing, or whatever test, or, or whatever examination you're facing, you find yourself asking the question, what is God doing? As we come to this passage tonight that we've read in Genesis 21-22, 20, we really want, want to ask the question, or one of those questions I'm sure Abram would have asked. Abraham now is facing the greatest test or the greatest trial in his life. And we're not told at the start why God tests him, but we're told at the end. We're given an indication of that, an inclination at the end of what God was doing in his life. Secondly, I want to apply, to, apply what we have to say tonight to both the believer and the unbeliever. We're going to find that Abraham's test, Abraham's test was both on a human level. But it was on a spiritual level as well. Three thoughts tonight. Three thoughts. Faith tested, faith triumphed, and faith rewarded. Faith tested, faith triumphed, and faith rewarded. So first of all, faith tested. You know, it's important when we read any biblical passage. It's important, especially when we read this passage of Abraham like chapter 22. It's important to read those two previous verses in chapter 21. Because it really sets the context to what Abraham's life was like at that moment in time. And the context when we read Genesis 21 to 33 and 34 it is a, it is a context for Abraham's life is one of peace and a faithfulness to God. Life is good for Abraham. Life is, life is so settled. Life is so good. We're told that he's planted a, planted a grove and that will provide food for him and he'll provide shelter for him. And it, we're, we're told that he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So he, the grove is planted, his life is set, and he's got a new name for God. He's growing spiritually with God as well. He's growing spiritually with God. He, he now realises that God is the eternal one, that God is everlasting God. I'm thrown into that there. I am hoping to see the ones out tonight. i so thrown that there. You can hear Isaac can running around the grove. You you, you hear the young Isaac running around, he's playing through the trees, he's cackling and he's laughing as that innocent child can, and life is good. Abram and Sarah are sitting back and looking up their son of their old age and thinking, Isn't life sweet? Isn't life sweet? And then into the midst of this here, Scripture says that God did tempt Abraham. A better better rendition probably or not rendition is that God did test Abraham. God doesn't tempt anyone, remember that God doesn't tempt anyone. Satan tempts us, Satan tempts us to sin, Satan tempts us to bring out the evil of our hearts. Lot was tempted by Sodom, Lot was tempted by that draw of the world. And people today are tempted by the sinfulness of the world. But God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham to to increase his faith or to increase his relationship with heaven. Up to this point we're told in Genesis, if you know the story of Abraham, that Abraham had been given the promise by God that that he would become the father of a great nation. And he's told back in Genesis seventeen that scripture says that God told Abram that Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and I shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with this sea after him. Abraham had given the promise of God, and he, see, and he saw in Isaac the fulfilment of God's promise. And suddenly, into the midst of Abraham's peaceful world, comes this absolute shattering. Because we're told, we're, 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 we're told that God tests Abraham. He says, "Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of." It was hard, we it on to grasp the horrors of Ukraine. It's was, it was hard to grasp all the, all how the, the peace has been shattered and now what they have. But you know, it's even more harder to grasp, to grasp the enormity of the trial that was placed in front of Abraham. Sometimes I think we can read scripture and say, Abraham or set people in the scripture on this platform that they were so spiritual, they were so dedicated that we are. But Abram was just a man, no different than ourselves. Abram was just a man no, no different than anyone else. But notice what he did. He didn't to dally But Abram responded immediately. He didn't have more things to do. I'm sure, I'm sure you you, you husband and wife couples here tonight When you, maybe wives especially get frustrated when they ask their husband to do something and they say he does it or I say he do it and a day or two later it's still not done and a week or two later it's still not done and, you, and he always has so many other things to do other than prioritize what you ask them to do. The scripture says he got up the next morning he cut the wood himself he saddled the donkey he took the fire and the knife and his two servants. And he left. Think of what God had asked him to do. The son of the promise, the son of whom he saw his future, and God has asked him to sacrifice his own son. God has asked him to take and to go to Moriah and sacrifice his own son. Now we're good at putting things off, aren't we? We're good as a people at times at putting things off. I hope this makes sense to you tonight, and I'm going to try and bring bring this into what hopefully makes sense to us today. I wonder if there's anybody here with a pet? Anybody here with a family dog or or a family pet? Is that one hand come up? Have a one hand. Three hands We up. We have a a spangled collie cross. He's with us now, I think, about 12 years. He came out with a pound, so he must be close to 15 years of age. The dog turns, that's old. He's had a number of strokes. I think he's on a stroke. He's still fit the walk. Well, this was a dog that used to go out with my wife when she, when she went shooting. I with the fetus of the horse and all the rest. But it would for hours. This was a dog, if it makes sense in the farming community, that could have straight the side of a round and jumped to the top of it on one strike without touching it. To now he's struggling to walk. He can move it back and forward a wee bit. He wiped the fetus out of the back of it not much. And each time after he's had a stroke, and myself and my wife ask ourselves, is this the time to finally take him to the pit? But each time we put it off. Two days later, he's up again, and he's, he's that old familiar dog. We put it off, and we put it off, and we put it off as long as we can. And yet, we're told here that Abram obeyed immediately. Abram's faith was tested, and yet he obeyed the made as we said, Scripture doesn't tell us why, at this moment in time, why God tested Abraham. But it's just simply that he obeyed God's call and he trusted what God was doing. Those so tonight as a believer, I wonder, are you facing some test or some trial in your life? And you are asking yourself the question, what is God doing? Maybe he's testing you materially, maybe he's a test physically, maybe it's a test with your help, maybe it's a test with, with, with your exams and you're asking as a believer and you're seeking God's will and you're wondering, wondering, wondering what has happened. And suddenly your life, as you feel, has been turned upside down. And I wonder, you, do you need to be like your room tonight? Do you need to get to the point where you realize that God is the everlasting God? That God is the eternal God? That God is the God is all that we need? You know, we were talking earlier Earlier on, you know, of all the things that we have in life, when it comes to the end of life, when it comes to comes to the end, money's no use, is it? Doesn't matter when we come to the end of our days, what we have materially, what we have physically, what we have in the bank. You know, if we have them with our faith and trust in God, nothing else matters. Here we have Abraham with the greatest trial in his life, the greatest test of his faith, but he's realised that God is the everlasting God. Under the night do you need to realise who God truly is again believe that He is the everlasting one, He is the Eternal One. And Abraham in faithful obedience and full assurance you trust God for whatever his purposes may be. And he goes forward in in faith and belief. Faith tested. But secondly, faith triumphed. Faith triumphed. The story here from verse three onwards, if you if you put your Bible in front of you, is a story that's a three-day journey that that's the void of really anything that happened or any of the conversation during those three days. There's nothing of the thoughts and the emotions of Abraham. There's nothing of what light. There's nothing of what Scripture calls or, or what he was thinking. Imagine that. Imagine that as a father taking your teenage son, which Isaac probably was, and knowing what you're going to do for three days. You travel. Imagine the turmoil that would be going over in your. And all we see from verse 3 is in what was the unwavering obedience. And then verses 4, 5, and 6, we see a faith that totally trusts God and the promise regarding Isaac. We're told that Abraham finally sees the place of sacrifice on the head. And he instructs his servants to wait there, and he says, But he and Isaac would go further, and they would worship, and they would sacrifice, and they'd come again. And Abraham places the, the wood in the back of Isaac he takes the fire and he, and, he, and he takes the knife. Up to this point it's clear from Scripture that Abraham fully intended to carry out what God asked him to do. And yet we get we haven't time to look at Abraham. If, if, if you look at Hebrews eleven, seventeen and nineteen, we see the faith that Abraham had. Because Abraham believed that even though he carried out what God wanted him to do, that God would <laughs> raise um, Isaac again from the dead we we'll go back to what he called God at the end of chapter 21. He never but Abram got a glimpse Abram got a glimpse, a glimpse of something that would happened 2,000 years later when the seed of Isaac would be raised from the dead at the resurrection at Calvary and he was still looking up and he's still trusting God. Abram got a glimpse of who God really was. It's easy to get worn down by burdens, it's easy to get worn down by trials, it's easy to get worn down by exams with believers, I think sometimes you need to lift our eyes at this world. And lift them to the everlasting God. And then verses 7 and 8, we see the conversation. We see the first time really that there's a conversation recorded for us between father and son. And Isaac asks his father, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And we see that Abraham's faith is triumphed because Abraham reply says, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Abram's faith has triumphed. He's got to the point where he's fully and wholly trusting God for what has lay ahead. But there's so much contained in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Read verse 9 with me again. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abram built, a, built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And found Isaac his son and led him on the altar upon the wood. There's so much contained there. Think of the drama. Think of, think of that was made into a film and, and the drama that would be made of that. The script is, 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 is amazingly silent on what happened. It's nearly a matter of fact. Abram looked Knocker, Abram led the wood. Abram bound Isaac and placed him on the wood. Nothing of the words they shared. Nothing of what it became. Nothing of what was said when it, when it became clear that Isaac would be the sacrifice. Nothing of the willingness of Isaac not to resist not to resist his aged father. because he'd been more than able to do that, not to resist his aged father, but to go along with the will and the promise of God. This most long for long for a child surrendering to the will of God. The complete obedience of father and son. Friends tonight, you know, as i said, it's often as believers, it's often as those times of trial in life that we come to full trust and full obedience to God. It may not be easy, it may be difficult, it may be very difficult, but when we lay hold in God, it's when we follow His will, <coughs> excuse me, the same that we see our faith triumphed. Faith tested, faith triumphed, but thirdly, faith rewarded. Look at verses 10 through 14. It gives us, gives us a, a picture, gives us a work picture of what happened. Abram is born in the sun, he sets them out on the altar and, and he lifts the knife to slay his son. And suddenly the, the angel of the Lord calls out from heaven and says, Abram, Abram, stop what you're doing. Abram, Abram, stop what you're doing. It wasn't until the last minute that God intervened. So often in life it's not to the last minute that God intervenes in our life, it shows us the way, it shows us his will, it shows us his purposes. The scripture says that Abram lifted up his eyes and looked and behold around caught in the thicket by its horns. He said at the start tonight that Abram's testing was on a physical level and was on a or sorry was on a human level and on a spiritual level as well. And you know when we look at this story tonight, it's hard not to misleash the Easter story, isn't it? It's hard not to miss the expression of God's love for mankind. You know, the heart of man's scripture tells us is deceitful above all things like a death for you So the orchid. So like this is not a story of Abraham's love for God in one sense. It's, a, it's really a story of God's love for us as a people, for, for humanity itself. Abraham's love has been tested by the last sacrifice of his but he doesn't have to do it. But when we think of Calvary, when, when we think of the story of the cross, when we think of the Easter story, Scripture tells us that it was fine. By the end, commended His love towards us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, when we think of Christ dying on the cross of Calvary, when we hear him cry out to the Lord by God, my God, why have I forsaken me? There's no one to stay in the hand of the Father and say don't do it. We see there a picture of the complete obedience of the Son and the Father to provide salvation for mankind. To provide a way that mankind can have their sins forgiven. That the only begotten Son of God will be slain that you and I may have sins forgiven. We talked this morning about the mercy of God that there's nothing in us to commend God's mercy to us. And that that there is. Isaac's death would have been a mere physical death. Christ's death on the cross was both physical and spiritual. When we think of it, when we think of if we die in our sins tonight, if we if we're to die in our sins tonight, we to spend an eternity in hell, a never-ending eternity, a never-ending place of torment. So to put that into the hours of Christ died on the cross, we died for the sins of the world nothing, to, nothing but no words can express the, the utter pain and agony and physical and spiritual death that Christ endured when he died for us. It was necessary for that redemption he purchased. It was necessary. So when he cried those words, by God, by God, why is thou forsaken me? We just do you not know, grasp the agony and anguish of the sun went through. Yet we're told down the story that Isaac had been bound, and as Abraham was seen, the ram caught by the horns, the bear caught by the horns so that it, it, it was undamaged, it wasn't torn, that the ram was a substitute for Isaac. Just as the ram was a substitute for Isaac, Christ was a substitute for your life tonight. The one who died in our place. There was no all good enough to, to pay the price of sinning. He only could have locked the gates of heaven and there's no one else, no other substitute tonight for us for our sins to be forgiven and you know what's lovely to this passage and it was lovely when I was looking at this and, and looking into some of the language, verse 14 says that Abram called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh as it is said to this day in the wind of the Lord it shall be seen the Hebrew word here translated Jireh comes from the common use of the Hebrew word ra which is to see now, I'm not no Hebrew scholar, nor do I claim to be. But you know the word to see carries all meanings in our English language, doesn't it? You can hopefully see me tonight. I can see you. That's one of the ways which we use the which we use the verb to see. I don't know if there's any teachers here tonight. But a teacher, if you're standing in front of your class and you're trying to explain something out on the I'm going to say the blackboard, but I really show my age. On the Whiteboard or whatever it is that's used now and you can to explain to your pupils or your class some problem or some difficulty, you'll say, Do you see now? Do you see with your mind, do you, see, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Do you see mentally? Number of mums here tonight. You see their family, don't they? You see their family, you provide for them, you care for them, you clean them, you 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 provide their clothes, you feed them, you provide, you provide for their home. You see to them. Some farmers here tonight, you see to your animals, don't you? You use that phrase. You watch over them, you be careful, and you feed them. You make sure they're well. So when Abram says tonight, Jehovah Jireh, or he's literally saying, God will see to it. God will see to it. So when in verse 8, when Isaac asks Abram, where is the lamb? And Abram replies, God will provide himself the lamb. But is literally saying, God will see to it. God will see to it. And you was not going he no to hear in verse 14. A- Abram doesn't use the past tense. Abram uses, a- Abram uses the future tense. Abram doesn't say, Abram doesn't call the place Jehovah Jared, because God's seen to it. Abram calls the name of Jehovah Jared, because God will see to it. Abram's thinking of a time, Mount Moriah is, eh, 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 is identified in 2 Chronicles 3, one. As, as, as with Jerusalem and with the temple. So Abraham sees a day Abraham sees a day forward he sees 2,000 years down the line where he sees Jerusalem and he sees Calvary and he, and he, and he sees Christ's sacrifice. And Abraham's looking at it and he says that God will see to it. You know tonight God has seen to our salvation. God is seen to the greatest need that any of us have ever had. Yes, we need to pass exams. Yes, we need to do this. Yes, we need to do that. But the greatest need that all of us have is our need to our sins forgiven. And the wonderful thing is tonight that God has seen to us. God has provided the way. God has, God has provided the means. God has provided the way in which our souls can be saved, and which forgiveness can be had. I wonder tonight whether you feel like that. Will you avail that opportunity? On the night, will you come and trust Christ as your savior and say, "I want, I want what God achieved as a Christ in Calvary. I want, it, I want, that applied to my life." On the night, 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 when you have the faith of to trust God and put your faith in God and whatever He's doing in your life, whatever will happen, that you simply walk into faith and simply trusting Him. On the night, you grasp something from this story of Abraham. We something in the story, of David, of the wonder of what God has done in Christ. No, we would be anything for our families. All of us would do anything for our families. We would, we would, we would live for, and we would die for, we would do anything for our families. Yeah, no, we don't hit us on that. But when we think that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, we all think our families are wonderful, don't we? We all think our babies are the nicest, most precious babies of all, don't we? You know, when God looks in us, as we talked this morning, he's a pure eyes that can behold evil. And when he looks in us, there's nothing of any beauty in us. As the Hebrews said, there's nothing in our hands we bring simply to his cross. I wonder tonight, today in the talk in Green's Baptist Church, wonder tonight, or while you're listening online, I wonder, would you grasp something of your need to your sins today? Will you grasp something in the picture of Abraham and Isaac? Will you see God, his Father, and God, the Son, on, on, on the camera? Will you see the risen, exalted Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father? Or will you see the one that is coming back again to take his people to himself? Then I wonder, will you come and place your trust in God? Well, I wonder tonight, maybe, maybe as a believer, maybe, maybe you're looking up, or, 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 or maybe things are or maybe coming in on you. Things are very, things are really, whatever is happening, things are seen to squeeze you up. Wonder as is the night, the night again that you lift up your eyes and put your trust again in God. If you ask yourself a question, whatever God is doing, I will trust him. Whatever God is doing, he is the trustworthy one because he, he is the everlasting God. But even greater, he is Jehovah's Jireh. He is the God who provides. He is the God who will seek to him. That's prayer. Father, again, we just pray and you take your words. We're aware, Lord, that we cannot cause an anxious thought. So Lord, we just pray that you encourage the believers, encourage those that have been tested and trials at this time to look up and, and trust you, that you are Jehovah Jireh, you are the one that will see to it. Pray for those tonight, Lord, that may not saved those made up but trusting you, whether young or old, Lord, that they will grasp again just the wonder of of salvation. The wonder of a sinless son of God uh, dying in dying as our kinetics dying our substitution. All because of the love of the Father for us. So Lord, bless your Lord. Speak to hearts we pray. We ask you in our chiefish name. Amen. amen.